morning. Good morning, God bless church. Good morning, God bless. Um, before I pray, I want to read Psalm 103 that the Lord put in my heart. And God gave me that psalm to read to you today because God wants us, the church, the body of Christ, to have a relationship with him. He wants our soul, our minds, our spirits to build a relationship with him. So I'm going to read Psalm 103, and um, you can follow along up to verse 9. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who pardons all your inequities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. This is the word of the Lord, and let's pray. Amen. Father God, we just come before you this, this morning, O oh Lord. We thank you, Lord, Father God, for giving us the breath of life this morning, O oh God. We thank you, Lord God, that you allow us to be here in this season, Father God. In this season of COVID, Lord, of, of a pandemic, Lord, you allow us to be here today, Father God. We thank you, Lord. We love you, Father God. We praise your holy name today, Father God. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, Father God. Like David said in the Psalm 103, Lord, help us, Lord. Help us to love you, Lord. Help us to love you with mind, body, and soul, Father God. Help us, oh God, to have a relationship with you, Father God, for that's what you want us to do in this season, to build a relationship with you, Father God. So I ask, Father God, that you would bless the body of Christ today, Lord. We ask, Father God, that you would bless those watching online, Father God. That today, Father God, will be the day that they have that relationship with you, Lord. Lord, that they would seek to know you, Father God. They would seek to meditate upon your word, Father God. They would seek, Father God, to praise you and worship, Father God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives, Lord. We thank you, Lord, most of all, for getting us through this pandemic, Lord. Even though it's still going on, Lord, we're here today, Lord. We're here, we're standing in your sanctuary, Lord, to praise you, to give you honor, to give you grace, Father God. We thank you, Lord. Father God, we ask, Father God, that you would bless all your members, my God, Lord. Bless everyone watching online, Father God. We thank you, Father God, for the word, Father God, that's going to be brought forth, Father God. We ask, Father God, that you would pour into Minister Al what he needs to pour into us today, Father God. Lord, we thank you for the worship, my God. Thank you for the, the songs of praise that will be lifted up to you, Father God, today. Lord, let it be a blessing unto your ears, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for allowing us to be here today in this sanctuary, Father God. Thank you, Lord, for all you do for us, Lord God. Even though, God, we, we sometimes go our own way, Father God. We don't listen. We, be, we are not obedient, Father God. But you still forgive us, Lord. You still forgive us of our inequities, oh God. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you for what you're going to do in our lives, Lord. We continue to stand on you, Father God. 
We ask, Father God, that you would bless us, O oh God, as we continue to be faithful in you, Lord God. We thank you, Father God. Again, I ask, Father God, you would bless the music, Father God, today. We thank you for the hearts, my God. Open our hearts, our mind, God. Help us to receive you, Lord God. Help us to leave here not the same, Father God. We thank you, Father God. We praise your holy name, Father God. We thank you for Sister Cynthia, for the worship, my God. We thank you that you will bless her, her voice, my God. That, Lord, she would just praise you with love, Father God. That you will be blessed with her singing, Father God. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this hour, Lord. Have your way today, Lord. Have your way in this church. Have your way upon your people, Lord. We say thank you, Lord. We praise your holy name. We give you the honor and the glory. Through your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Welcome CCF and those that are online. God bless you all. So we are here to do one thing and one thing only is to worship the Lord. Hallelujah. So let's open up our hearts and let's just meditate and just worship God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We are in your presence. Fill us with your power. Live inside of me. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We are in your presence. Fill us with your power inside of me you're the living water a never drying fountain comforter and counselor take complete
Bye. 
cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found. we definitely can find a sound mind because that's just how he is he loves us he don't want us to be confused he don't want us to be all looking in the wrong direction so in his presence we know that in his presence we are free and he can give us direction Hallelujah. Your presence 
tears and earth I will await me The moment that I see your face to There's nothing in this world will satisfy Jesus, you're the cup that won't This world will satisfy. Jesus, you're the cup that won't run dry. Jesus, you're the cup that won't run dry. Jesus, you're the cup that won't run dry. 
Nothing in this world will satisfy. Jesus, you're the cup that won't run dry. Jesus, you're the cup that won't run dry. scripture with you and I also want to give you a, a short testimony about my life and how the Lord has dealt in my life in terms of um, you know giving uh, my tithes and my giving so um, the first is this it's going to be Proverbs 3 verses 9 through 10 I'm going to leave a few scripture with you then I'll give you my testimony 
Honor the Lord with your wealth, and from the first of all your produce, that your barns may be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with wine. The second is this. Amen. We know that God loves us. And he's our heavenly father. Amen. So if a so the word the word that, that I want to talk to you about is in Luke six. Um, I'm sorry, in Matthew Matthew seven eleven. It says uh, the word of God says, So if you despite being evil or or in the flesh um, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So we have a Father that cares about us and knows about every single one of our needs. Every single one of our needs. Amen? And we have to trust that he will provide every single thing that we need. The Word of God says, you know, um, seek him first. Seek, seek, seek him and his righteousness, and then everything that we need will be added on to us. Amen? Now, what I want to talk to you about is, um, so say to me, we're, we're, we're under grace. Say, repeat, we're under grace. We are not under the law. We are under grace. Okay? So, um, uh, in, the, in the book of Corinthians, in uh, chapter 8, we begin, uh, we find that Paul um, is, you know, you know, talking about the church of Macedonia. The church of Macedonia was a very poor church. Um, they were oppressed, but they had a heart to give. With not even having, they were still able to give. And because of the fact that they gave, the Lord blessed them with even more giving. The ability to give even more. So we see in Corinthians, when Paul speaks to them in chapter 9, he's speaking to the church of Corinthians. The church of Corinthians was very rich. But they were very selfish. They were rich, but they were very selfish. And he taught them, listen, um, the church in Macedonia was begging me, where can we give? Where else can we give? Because they had been blessed. With, in, their, in their poorness, they were still given. The Lord gave them so that they could give out. And that's what I want to speak. Even though we're un, not under the law, we're under grace. When, the, when Christ died on the, on the cross of Calvary, he changed things around. We are not under the law, we are under grace. So what we do for the Lord, we give from a heart of gratitude because of all that he has already done for us. But he has done for us. Now my testimony is this, that when we, uh, Al and I first came to Calvary back in 2003, um, you know, I, my profession was that as a nurse, later I became a nurse practitioner. But um, when we came to Calvary, um, we had very good jobs. We had good paying jobs. And I came with the attitude, arrogant attitude, that I was coming to this little small church to bless the church because I had the finances and the ability to do so. What happened? Everything turned around. In spite of us having good jobs, we went into so much debt that the money coming in was going out because to, pay, to pay bills that we had because we had not been good uh, stewards of what God had given us. Um, one of my bills, I remember looking at a bill one day after we came to the Lord, and not returned to the Lord rather, that um, an American Express bill that I paid was, you know, at, when I tallied at the end of the year, was $21,000. I said, with $21,000 to American Express, you know, American Express, you gotta pay immediately. You cannot let that, you have to pay the bill when it comes up. 21,000 I paid to American Express in one year. 
And I said, my God, that could have been used for a down payment on a house. Okay, so what happened? So we went through difficulty, financial difficulty. And I remember not even having, um, like having change only to put into the offering. And I told Elder, Elder, at that time it was Elder Jenny. She said, and I said, listen, I don't even have to. She said, well, go up there. And even though you don't have, just touch, touch the basket in faith that God is going to provide everything for you. So that's what I began to do. What happened to us is that um, as we begun, began to trust God, the Lord provided everything, everything. We began to give. We began to give faithfully. And, um, and even though we were tight, our bills were being paid, our food was being provided. And I want to tell you this. We would buy food. And you know how bread can spoil? Or after a few days, bread can spoil. Our food during that time did not spoil. The Lord provided everything for us. Every single thing. We ended up going into um, a, a consolidation of our debt, and we paid off our debt. We were debt-free. And we began, we continued to give. We continued to give to the church. But um, so we gave our tithes, yes. And, and again, it's according uh, to, and I'm going to read that verse for you because it's according as God, you, uh, you purpose in your heart, do. What if you make up your mind to do and God purpose in your heart, do that. Give as he shows you. Again, we're under grace. Give, but give from the, a place of gratitude, not grudgingly. Not grudgingly and sorrowfully. Imagine I give a gift to my husband and say, here, this is a gift. But you know what? I really didn't want to give it to you. But I'm going to give it to you because I have to. We come to God like that with our, with our tithes and offering. God doesn't want that. He wants you to give willingly and, and with, with, a, with a heart of, of joy. That is his desire. So as the Lord began to work in our lives, you know, we, be, we continue to give faithfully. And then we started at, that, at some point, we moved around. We, we, we were in the church since the fire, since before the fire. We ended up coming and tabernacling, and we ended up in the Bronx. And when we started to, um, to save money to purchase our own church building, people, this is our building. This is ours. Okay, this building is ours. So as we began to give and, um, and as we began to collect the monies for our down payment for our church building, when we finally had the church, had the money for the church building, the Lord then gave me the release that it was time for us to get our own home. But it didn't come until the church was taken care of. Once the church bunnies were in place, I got the release, baby, now it's time for us to purchase our building, our home. And we were able to purchase our home. Amen. Amen. But again, give with a cheerful heart. Because know that, yes, we're not under, under the law, we're under grace. But if you, the, the law principle is this, if you, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully as well. Amen. So I hope this ministers to your spirit in terms of giving. We're not here to shame you. We're not here to bring you fear because that is not of the Lord. Okay. That is not of the Lord. As you purpose in your hearts, give what the Lord shows you. And you will see that God will bless you. Amen. So stand to your feet so we can pray for our offering. Oof. Oof. Hallelujah. 
So, Father, we come together before you today, my Lord God, and, Father, we come in agreement today, my Lord God, on, on, on what is being spoken here today, my Lord God. Father, I ask, my Lord God, that if there be anything in any one of us, my God, that is not, that is contrary to you, my Lord God, we just submit that thing to you. Any anger, any resentment, any, anything, we just lay it at the foot of the cross. Father, for you did not give us a spirit of fear, power, uh, uh, but of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. So, Father, we come to you together in agreement, my Lord God. We know, my God, that you are, are the owner of everything, my Lord God. And what we have is because you've blessed us with that, my Lord God. Increase our seed so that we can give bountifully, my Lord God. And as we give, you will continue to pour into us to give out more. So, Father, bless your people today, my Lord God. Those who are not able to give, my Lord God, that they be encouraged, my Lord God, and, and learn to trust that you are in control of every single aspect and part of their lives, my Lord God. You provide everything for us, my Lord God. We are not to fear. So, Father, we just submit this offering to you that we hold up to you. We submit this offering to you, my Lord God, and we thank you for providing it for us. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you. Amen and amen.
guys hear me? Oh, yeah. All right. Of course, I got to have the specs. So how are we doing today? We're going, going, yeah, it's a little loud. Can you guys tone this down a little bit? I have a loud voice. I don't know how you feel, but uh, I feel the presence of the Lord, the Spirit. It's, it's saturating. It's like... Uh, I'm warm. Well, not really warm. It's just like a, a comfortable, hot feeling, you know? A comfortable, hot feeling. And um, 
you know, I just want to encourage you today, uh, for those of you who don't know me, um, like I said, I've been in, my wife and I, we've been in Calvary since 2003. And, um, yeah, we're actually the remnant of that fire. And I'm here to talk about, or continue to talk about faith. I want to ask a question to all of us, a show of hands. How many of you here presently are operating in faith? All hands should be up. You know why? Because you have faith in you. If you didn't have faith, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be alive. You wouldn't be in this time and this place in your own existence when you look at it, right? So, those of you who don't know me, um, like I said, I've been, my wife and I have been here at Calvary for 19 years. I've been an officer of the police uh, department for nearly 29 years. I've been teaching tactics for 19. I've been a detective for um, seven years. I'm a teacher. I'm an instructor. I'm also trained in the military back in the old days. So uh, it's not by accident or by surprise that God has led me to this day and has actually orchestrated my, my path as an instructor. So I like to teach and I like to present this uh, as an instruction. I know we have many speakers here, gifted um, speakers that um, have different styles and all that. So I wouldn't present this as a teaching, but I want you all, when I say listen, I want you to really listen because listening is more than just hearing. Because even though the Word of God says hearing, faith comes through what? Hearing and hearing and hearing. But we can all hear. But are you internalizing what you're hearing? In other words, are you, is, see what I call faith through focus listening. If you were to close your eyes, I don't see you. There's no distractions. So if you were to say something or whisper something and I can't hear, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, going, I'm not just hearing. I'm listening, hard listening to see what you are saying. So we internalize that. So, we're going to have fun with this. So, i like to prepare you guys, if you have your hard Bibles, you know, your hard covers, soft covers, or your apps. So, we're going to be exploring our next um, part. Of, this is week two, right? And it's about, it's topic, listening and doing. So, I want, you, I want us to just prepare ourselves, if you have your Bibles and all that, we're going to be utilizing James chapter 1 verses 19 27 if you have your notes you can drop this down and then we're going to just go right into a little bit of, of Matthew chapter 7 24 25 okay so basically I want to welcome every one of you this is like a five-week series right and it's about James the book of James and I read the book of James hope we all read it in ourselves it's a fascinating book because it talks about faith. It talks about what happens in our faith. You know, we're, you know faith is good, and it's, it's kind of like a word where we, um, in the world, we like to utilize the word faith, and we fling it like it's just a word. You know, I got faith, I got faith. Oh, yeah, I got faith and everything else. But what does that really mean to us, right? What does that faith really mean to us? Because what you say in the spirit, what you say in terms of uh, in the presence of God, that's going to be tested. That's going to be tried and true. 
We have to be careful what we proclaim and release in the atmosphere in itself. So if you were here last week, so basically if you remember, we're looking into two correlated ideas from the book of James. Last week we tackled the ideas of testing and perseverance. Because it's time, and if you look at um, the COVID, when you look at the things, the events of today, and even Christians, I think the body of Christ has been hit really bad. Really bad. I mean really, really bad. Why? I know we say we're human. No, no, no. Your body is human. We are spirit beings. You know? So we have to, we have to um, be careful what we say about ourselves. Because see, one of the, one of the things that God is was working on is, is this new revival of Christianity is coming. And we have to be prepared. We have to be versed in what we proclaim. What is the hope in us? You know, if we call ourselves Christians, that, you know, talk is cheap. Now, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be transparent. Talk is cheap. You could be in a church for so many years and not know anything. Because you're coming here, I'm, I'm going to hear, I'm going to hear, I want to tickle my ears, and I got my dose. I got my two cents of God's word. Then we walk out the, wor- and then we walk out the door, and then the devil is saying, check this out. Five, four, three, two, one. I got you. I got you. Because the devil, our adversary, the enemy, of course, he's a defeated foe. Never use, never use, oh, the devil made me do it. He didn't do anything. Because we have free will, we have free choice. Right? We can choose to have faith. Faith is something that is not born in us. It's something that is given by God. Right? God is the orchestrator of our faith and the authority of our faith. He gives it freely. Okay? So now, from the very start, James is encouraging us to enjoy in the midst of our trials and sufferings, right? So this is a man, of course, he's one of the apostles, uh, stepbrother of Jesus. And he's going through a task in his church. They're experiencing, the church is experiencing a lot of the things what you call trials and tribulations. And, and our faith is going to be attacked. I've heard people where we're about as Christian as we could possibly be. And the minute we start to profess the word of God in our testimony, we're preaching, we're evangelizing. There are people that are going to try to shut you down. It's violent out there. The words are bad. I should know. I've been a cop for a very long time, and I deal with people every day. The good, the bad, and the ugly. But because of the peace of God and who I serve, it's kept me at a ground level where I can look at them in a loving way, even though they're, they're the, probably the worst example of human beings on the planet. But remember, as God is for us, it's for them also. Just, just, just remember that. You know, um, we all come from a different place before we say, I do. Okay? So in the first chap, the first half of the chapter, we learned that adversity calls us to a higher and greater place. So this is an incredible, important message for believers all over the world, especially those in the, in the areas where there is ongoing persecution. You know, we talk about persecution. We have not tasted persecution. Believe me. There are places on the planet where, you know, because of being a Christian, your head is coming off. 
pastors are being tortured in, in unbelievable ways because of who they serve. We haven't tasted that yet. And I pray to God that we will never experience that. So this week we'll be finishing up chapter 1 as James encourages, we are the readers, to be both the hearers and doers of the world. So that's, that, that's, that's, that, that's a very interesting um, place to be. Again, talk is cheap. His main point here is that there is one thing to listen and to receive the word. In other words, there's one thing to listen and to receive the word, but then just to activate it, right? So he develops his theme and expands his thoughts throughout the rest of the book of James. But in this section, we'll be looking at today as where it all begins. So it's deeply important to remember that in the next few weeks, James was that good pastor that deeply cared for his church. And we know that all pastors, they do a lot of sacrifices, like our own pastor. He's gone through his stuff. If you know him the way some of us know him, he's gone through stuff. He is about as human as anybody can be. But he has the heart of God in Christ. He has that heart. And that's, uh, that's, that's, that's something that I, we, we all deeply cherish. So at times it may sound condescending. So, so when James was actually writing the book, and this is, a lot of, this is basically something to the, the church himself. So there are times that he was sounding very condescending and harsh, but his letter is motivated by the love and compassion for the health of his church. We have to be spiritually healthy, especially in this time. A time where we are attacked by viruses, you know, all, this, all the nonsense that we're out there. We have to be spiritually healthy as important as being physically. We have to be, right? So, in seemingly lack of a, a, a patience for apathy may be motivated by the persecution of his church was daily facing from the culture around him. So a lot of the churches, we're going to be affected by the culture and the backlash out there. There's a lot of stuff out there that's going on. We have to stay grounded in the Word. Okay? We have to stay grounded in the work. All right? If Christ can do it, we can. Believe me. The truth was that they simply didn't have the time or the luxury to engage in a lukewarm faith. What does the Bible speak about being lukewarm? We have to be hot going for Christ. Okay? In many cases, it was truly a life or death choice for those in the early, cha uh, early church. There's going to come a time, people, that we're going to have to choose. It's not about Republican or Democratic, who you believe and what you believe. is either God or the devil. That's it. There's no limbo. There's no purgatory. There's no penalty box. There's none of that. And that's where you're going to see the separation within the body of Christ. Okay? And you thought this was an ice cream service. Okay. Mm. So, okay. So, the question we ask ourselves is that are we more inclined to act? on the teachings of Christ in our lives if our lives were on the line? Would external persecution motivate our faith? 
Do we have to wait for a crisis to become a little bit more Christianese? Think about it. But we have to. I remember 9-11, everybody was lovey-dovey. Everybody became churchy, everything else. But you know something? That's not a bad thing. Because God would allow certain things in this world to happen so that we could become more closer to him. And if it takes something like that, bring it on. Bring it on. So, listen, uh, I'm speaking to the choir. So let's take a closer look. What is faith? What is faith? So in Hebrews 11.1, 1, and I'm going to use the easy read version, right? Right? Faith is what makes real the things we hope for. It is the proof of what we cannot see. You see, everyone here operates on faith. And I'll tell you one thing, because we're here through faith. We know what faith looks like in action, because we are living examples of that faith. Right? A Christian writer, Corey Ten Boom, wrote, Faith sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. Author and journalist Mitch Album wrote, Faith is about doing. You are how you are. Basically, you are how you act, not how you believe. Right? So faith is, in simple terms, means that you believe without any doubt whatsoever. Because if we truly have faith, that means you believe and you trust what you put your faith into. You can't have faith if you don't believe or trust in the word that is spoken all, all over us. So you hold no matter what happens, knowing that God never disappoints. That is why you need faith and perseverance together. Right? So, Here's an example for those of you who have kids, right, or spiritual kids or anything in between, right? If you remember at one point, we all have been kids, right? Young kids and all that, right? And this is going to make a lot of sense. So have you ever asked one of your kids to do something and you were pretty certain that they heard you? Come on. In fact, even got a verbal confirmation, a head nod, like, Mommy, yeah, I got it, yeah, sure, yeah, all right, I heard you, I heard you, I heard you, yeah, mom, yeah, mom, okay, yeah, yeah, pop, yeah, all right, all right. Only to find out many hours later, you asked, what you asked never got done. Amen. We got that, right? <laughs> all right. We all been there, right? If not, as pastor says, the altar is always open. <laughs> it's always open. So either way, there is something specifically annoying about being ignored, right? We don't like being ignored, Right? Because you know how New Yorkers are, we don't. We like our solitude, we like our, our space, but we don't like to be alone. So we understand that because we were kids at one time. So either way, there's something specifically annoying about being ignored, but in that case, being heard, possibly even acknowledged, and then ignored. This is, the, this is a bit of an idea behind listening and doing that we are going to cover today. So now it's about, let's look at listening and doing. So you may have heard this parable, right? So we're going to go, we're going to read 
Matthew, the book of Matthew, starting with chapter 21, and we're going to read 28 and 32. So if you don't have your stuff, I'll, I'll, I'll read it myself to you guys. So basically, you have heard the parable about the two sons, right? So let me read the chapter, the parable of the two sons. What do you think? A man has had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And, when, and he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of, the two, which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. So in this passage, Jesus is making a powerful point about listening and doing. Jesus, is, Jesus said that the tax collectors and the prostitutes will be entering the kingdom ahead of the chief priests and the Pharisees. Because they listened and responded to the message of John the Baptist. So there's a lot of us, we, you know how a lot of us, we, we, we want to we hear a word over our lives. We want to do this. And it sounds great. Oh, I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. I'm going to be this. Um, I'm finances. A lot of things are coming our way. We sit. And we just wait and wait and wait. But then remember the, um, the scripture where it says, you know, ask. And it should be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. But in some translations like the, like the um, Amplify, ask. And keep asking. Don't just ask and say, yeah, all right, God is going to do this in a, in a fortnight or whatever it is. That's not how it works. It's a partnership. Okay? So, continuing on. With, with that in mind, there is an important question that comes directly from the two sons. The parable. Which of the two did what the father wanted? I don't know about you, but... This parable invites me to think about, you know, which son was I? When I look at that, I said, I said to myself, which one of those sons was, was, was me, right? Or resembles me in the parable. And I know we have women here and all that, but when we say, you know, which one of you as a sibling that remembers, that resembles you, right? So basically... Am I listening to the words of Jesus? Am I hearing his voice through the encouragement of the Bible? Does listening even matter if there is no response? That is a question for every one of us. So now, we're going to go into James. If you could turn to James, chapter 1, verse 19 to 27. And I'm reading this from the um, easy, um, the uh, English Standard Version. So it's entitled Hearing and Doing the Word. It's not just about hearing, it's about activating the action. 
Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once, forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer, who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. There is a, there's a great abundance of blessings when we act on the word of God. It, it sounds great, we hear it, and some of us, we maybe internalize it, we listen and we listen intently. But if we don't act on it, what God is saying to us, we're forfeiting a blessing that is monumental, that, you, that, that we can never imagine and grasp, right? Continuing, if anyone thinks he is religious, religious, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their afflictions and to keep oneself a saint to the world. What I receive from that is that the world is an expert on Christianity. They know what a Christian is supposed to be. Whether they believe or not. And if we call ourselves Christians, men and women of God, we took an oath, we surrendered our lives, we uh, recited the, um, the sinner's prayer or the prayer of salvation, and our actions, our fruit is not like what the word says over us, then who is the hypocrite? You know what's, you know what's the most horrifying thing when, when you hear stories about Christians jumping ship and going to another religion because a Christian dissuaded them. Wow. That's deep. So our section begins with James addressing his hearers as beloved brothers or said in another way, the church family that I love. Like I've said before, he was a good pastor. He's a good pastor who deeply cared about his congregation. In fact, he cared enough to share with them the blunt truths that followed throughout the rest of his letter, beginning with the encouragement to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. How many times have we received this message from Pastor Victor? He's a shepherd, and he is very intently about keeping ourselves on the straight and narrow. He doesn't want us to fall away. Like a father doesn't want his children to fall away. Always laying his life before his family. That was James. I've heard it said that we all have two ears. So the pastor mentioned that. We have two ears and one mouth. So we should be hearing what? Twice? 
But in actuality, we're hearing, you know, once, but we have... In other words, we should be receiving more because we have two ear gates, right? I'm sure that we all know this as an advice to prove itself quite useful if we will simply respond accordingly. James spends a lot of his letter addressing the words we use, the way we speak, the, and the power of what he calls the tongue. And even in the initial verse of, of our day, we hear the invitation to slow down, listen carefully, and respond accordingly. And if you notice, it's repeating itself. See, when God, when the word of God, when God repeats himself, he's making a stressful point. You need not just hear it. You need to listen intently and you need to internalize. But in other words, you need to activate it. I mean, how, how many times, I mean, listen, and, 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 you know, like I said, I'll put myself on the chopping block. How many of us? have said something that is that you wish you never said. The life and death. I often said this, uh, I remember I said this uh, to a colleague of mine, I bet you I can destroy a child without putting a bullet to his head, cutting his skin, and even touching him. Just speak words of death. You're no good. You'll never amount to anything. You're a product of what? You just spoke death into a child. The words are very powerful. We see this in media. We see this in, in politics. We see it everywhere. The things that are come out of our mouths that we can't take back. And I know this is pretty much out of line, but uh, uh, when Joe Biden, it, it was a slip of the tongue, calling Latinos and saying tacos and all kinds of stuff. Everybody got the whole entire... Latino community went batso. They just went, oh, he called us tacos, he called us this and that. That's a slip of the tongue. But, but see, I'm using this as an example of the power of what we say. We have to think, think, think. We used to tell our, our recruits when we teach them how to um, utilize a police radio, think before you key the mic. Because if you send it out, everybody knows, and if it's something bad, it can hurt someone. It can actually forfeit valuable resources. We call it backup. So you have to think before you actually go on the mic and say what you need to say. Because some of those things are life-threatening life and life-saving. Think about it. Right? So, continuing on. Be slow to get angry. That's a message for all of us, especially me. James says, because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And that's in verse 120. Not only can anger lead to sin and ruin our witness to others, it can ruin the relationships we have around us. When anger leads to sin, it does not produce the righteousness of God. Let me tell you something. Being, being a Christian, especially for those of us who are in higher ministry, I once told a person, it is so easy to be a cop than to be a minister, to be a man of God. Because I have to watch my walk. Because people, I'm accountable. And that's the reason why a lot of people don't want to accept Christ. Because now you're accountable and responsible. You're accountable and responsible. Because, you see, God has, um, he has a, a little bit of a leeway to those who don't believe. Because they don't know. But the clock is ticking. 
The end is coming. The Lord is coming. And you can't go the minute you draw your last breath and you're right on the throne and say, I didn't know. The excuses stop the moment you draw your last breath. Because people are saved even at that moment. Just like the thief on the cross. He didn't want to know sinner's prayer. He just acknowledged who he was. Asked for his forgiveness. He was deserving of that penalty of sin. He knew that God, he knew that uh, he's God. He didn't, he didn't deserve that. At this day, you will be with me in paradise. Every time I read that, it's like, wow, it just gives me the chills. It just, um, I get emotional because it's, 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 if you get emotional with stuff like that, God is saying something like, wow. You got to listen. You got to do. See, everybody has a testimony about saying something to someone and regretting it. We all have. I remember one time, wow. I had a hard time with my father growing up. And, uh, you know, we, we, later, on, later on in life, we forgave each other. We cried and everything else. He's now with the Lord. There was a time when I came, out, came from the military. And uh, I went to the military to spite him because he wanted me to become a soldier. I went, and I was a student, you know, an art student in a professional school, Parsons School of Design, if you remember that. That's the, that's the art, that's the Columbia University of the art world, right? Not bad for someone from Harlem, right? East Harlem. So long story short, I came from the military. I gave him what he wanted, and we got into some argument, whatever it was. And, of course, alcohol, I've been... I've been sober for about nearly 18 years. And that was, that was the Lord. But because I was under that influence, I had my beers and all that, and, I, and the first time I actually verbally said something to my father, in other words, I, I stood up to him. So what are you going to do, old man? Man. I know my father was hard, but um, he meant well because um, he wanted to make sure that we were not swallowed up by the filth out there. And, you know, he wasn't the, the, the dad that I wanted because, like I said, his dad was not in his life. That was something that the Lord had to teach me. How do you fault your father for something that you want that he never had and that he can never give you? But that I, your father from heaven, can give you abundantly. Abundantly. And man, that bothered me. Ooh. I never spoke to my dad like that. I never. And the reason why I'm saying this is because some of us, I don't care how Christian you are, we need to be delivered from things of unforgiveness, things that are holding us back. Because let me tell you something. If you don't present it to God and absolve yourself from it, God cannot use you. You want ministry? You want to serve God in the capacity that he called you to, to do? It's not going to happen. 
My wife went to something like that. And I'm not going to go into it because that's her testimony. She's here because she had to absolve that. Present it to the Lord. If she hadn't done it, it could affect our marriage. It could affect a lot of different things. It would affect her ministry. You know? So therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive the meekness, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. This is verse 1. I mean, verse, well, chapter 1, verse 21. James is admonishing his hearers to set aside the filthiness, the rampant wickedness, none of which will take one into the, uh, the kingdom of heaven. But instead, he says, receive with the meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. And that's what he wants, every one of us. In response to this, and I'm going to use a quote from uh, basically John Piper says, so the word of God is implanted in us and is at work in us and abides in us. This is James 1, chapter 1, 21 says, and saves us. We cannot easily overstate how profoundly powerful the Word of God is for our lives. If the Word of God does not rank, this is a very pivotal and important. If the Word of God does not rank with your most cherished possessions, you need to do a reality check on your life. Nothing apart from God himself is more important and powerful than his word. We are created through his word. Amen. It's not just about hearing God's word. It's about listening so that the word of God could be within us. Is the word of God within you? Again, I, I said earlier, we're... We're going to see a, a, a revival that the world has never seen. It's coming. There's a great revival. Been, it's been prophesied. But let me tell you something. Are you ready for that revival? Are we ready for the uh, revival? Because every one of you are called to ministry. I know some of us, we say, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not ministry. I'm not doing that. That's okay. But what does the Word of God say? We are all ministers of reconciliation. You don't need a title. You've been appointed. You're righteous, set apart. You've been called. It's not about titles. I don't care about this title. Being a minister, that's rough. That's rough. Everybody calls me minister, reverend, pastor, God knows what. But I honor the title, but, but, but it's like, wow, that's a big shoe to fill. That's a big shoe to fill. I always ask the Holy Ghost, I said, listen, <laughs> what you got to do? Get me on the straight and narrow. To, to just, you, know, you know, I got I, I to gotta be on fire. Keep me hot and ready for you. Keep me hot and ready. Keep me hot. Come on. Um. So we must receive the word in our lives. We must learn to throw off everything. Everything else. What are our distractions? What's, what's hindering your call? Your movement 
in the faith. We say we got faith. Are we moving by faith? Not by what we see, but what we know, believe, and trust, right? We must learn to throw off everything else, every hindrance that entangles us. And you can really read that in depth in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. And every deception that looks to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. And that we could, we could really go more into depth in John chapter 10, 10. And along with receiving, we, also, we are also encouraged to act on that. That's why um, it's hard to get people to, to pray. Because pray is doing. You're doing something. Or evangelizing. Yeah, you may not be an evangelist, but we, are, we all have a testimony. We all have something to say. Remember what, Christ, remember what the pastor says, secret service uh, Christian? No, no, come on. We, we, we don't want to be that. So we are all called... To action. We all call the action. It is your responsibility. My responsibility, your responsibility. So I'm going to use an example. So, you know, for all of you sports guys and gals, uh, imagine a football player who caught this unbelievable play catch. I got it. The kind of catch that you can run to the goal line and win a championship, whatever it is. But he stays like that. Oh, look at his brown egg with stripes. And everybody say, you idiot, you idiot. Go, run, 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 run. It's like Forrest Gump. Remember Forrest Gump? He, he catches the ball and they're saying, run. He's going all, all over the place. But you're never going to get the goal. You're never going to get the prize. You're never going to win your race if you just stand there and just hear and hear and hear. And I love when Paul says that, the running of the race, because he did. He's a man of action, you know. Be a man of, of action, a woman of action, of God, in God. Do that. Or oh, here's the one. A doctor delivers a baby perfectly healthy and gives it to the, the mother and, and then the, the father, and they say, woo, got a baby. And they just put it in the crib, and they don't do nothing. just dies. There's no blessing in that. There's none. Right? So these are just, this, it's just a crazy example. It's an odd example when you really think about it. But that's the point James is trying to make. He expands upon this in the next two verses. So let's look at James. We, for those of you, um, you got your Bibles, your apps. We're going to read James chapter 1 verses 22 to 23. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. And if you notice that for those of us who have been in Calvary and those of us who have been in other churches, this is a heavy topic. Faith, 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 faith. It's all about faith, faith, faith. And it's, it's, it's not surprisingly that we're going back to this because I like to call it as refresher training. My job in the NYPD was a trainer, um, refresher, annual training. No, it's not enough just learning it one shot. Every, we get, if you get rusty, you know the old saying, if you, if you don't use it, 
you lose it. You don't really lose faith. You lose the proficiency of faith, how it really works. You, you lose it. You don't pick up your Bible. You don't come to church and all that. And that, that where, how's your faith going to grow? How is it going to grow? All right. Okay, go, go. We're going to go right here. We're moving right along. To simply receive the word, the message, the teaching, the encouragement, the sermon, the devotion, etc. Isn't God's best, isn't God's best for you. He wants the best for us. His best is found in the response to his word. So I'm going to read from Matthew. For those of you who want to jump into Matthew. Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 <coughs> excuse me, and 25. And this is the Sermon of the Mount. So Jesus says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. Jesus is our rock, our cornerstone. So if Jesus is our rock, which is a very solid foundation, we should be building on that rock. It should not be cracking. Because Jesus don't crack. Think about it. As believers, we are called to be people of action. Because we are action. We are people of action. For example, the Great Commission... In Matthew 28 begins with the word go. Go. And as we learned last week, we must learn to persevere, counting the many trials we face in our going as joy. There's a joy in what we do. And of course, pastors said, uh, you know, it's not about being a masochist. Oh, yeah, just beat me, you know, beat me. Or the, uh, all these monks that, I don't know who they are, but they, you know, they beat themselves with these whips. Yeah, yeah, suffering for Christ. That's not what Christ wants us to do. We're going to go through trials and tribulations, people. It's going to get bad out there. I mean, no, it's going to get ugly. It is going to get ugly. But be of great joy, the peace of God. We have to be like Christ in that boat in the Sea of Galilee. Everyone says, oh, we're going to perish, we're going to drown. I said, we're going to get to the other side. Because the disciples did not listen. They heard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Jesus is going to go on his, one of his little crazy things that we have to tag along. Had they listened. When Jesus says he's going to do something, it happens. When Jesus said, hey, guys, we're going to get to the other side. Don't bother me. Let me go to sleep. Of course, he didn't say it like that. But the fact is, if you know, you got to trust in the word of God. It's not about, you know, you know, we could preach to ourselves until we're blue in the face. But we're going to get tested. And if we're called to be Christians, the followers of, of Christ, your lifestyle, our lifestyle, we, it has to reflect that. It's not about being perfect. No, this, this, this skin is going to rot. It's going to go, I mean, I, there's so much work to do on this thing. Lifting weights, eating right, and all that stuff like that. I can't wait till I get rid of this. Really? Because when I get my new body, ooh, 
I'm not going to be in that line, everybody slapping um, Adam. I'm, I'm going to be going all over the galaxy, all over the thing. I want to see things. I wanna, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go crazy in heaven. I'm going to be like a kid in a candy store. Look at that, look at that, look at that. It's going to be beautiful. You know, it's going to be nice, but we have to respect this because this is our temple of the Holy Spirit. Because being dead is not the, the, the worst thing in the world, but, but, you know, I want to be alive for a long time because that way I can get to do God's work, ministry. I get to do that. So in verse 125, James encourages us, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets and doers act, he will be blessed in his doing. And we mentioned that earlier. So in other words, people, look, don't forget the word. Don't take you off, don't take your eyes off of Christ. Persevering in the calling and response to the message of freedom you've been given. So in other words, you know, we have to persevere. We've all been called to. I mean, look, I know, I know there are times where it feels like, where is God in all this? Where is Jesus? Where is the Holy Spirit? Where is them? The Godhead. Where are they? But he's here. He's all around us. If we just listen. Listen to that still voice. Listen. You'll hear the Father. You'll hear your shepherd. Our shepherd. So here's the last couple of thoughts. And to finish off our section, Pastor James gives some incredible practical instruction in verses 26, 27. As I mentioned earlier, as we will discuss more in depth in week four, James is passionate about the words we use and the power of the tongue. <coughs> Excuse me. In the verse, in verse 26, he bluntly states, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, in other words, control your tongue, control your voice, whatever your words, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. We got to be careful. And what I said, how Christians are leaving Christianity and they're going somewhere else? Man, I don't want Christ to throw that in my face. I want good and faithful servant. That's what, that's what we want. You know? Or we don't want to hear this word, I never knew you. Oh, no, 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 no. So, continuing on. What James is talking about isn't the occasional slip of the uh, foolishness, but rather the unwillingness to restrain one's words. The unwillingness to see the power of our words to build others up or to tear them down. The person who won't go to see an anger management counselor or receive correction for their filthy, vulgar tongue, this person, if they also profess to be Christian, deceives themselves into thinking that their words don't matter. And conversely, if you don't want to have a worthless religion, but rather a pure and undefiled one, pure, and under fire one. Minister Belinda, when she was um, 
speaking in the spirit, the tongues. Talked about purity. About being pure. When I heard that, I went, wow. Wow. That pierced my heart. Being pure. Being pure. That's what God wants. Us to be pure. And it's not impossible because you ask, it shall be given. Being pure. And under fire one. But see, that's about, that's, it's about putting the words of Christ into action. That's being a person of action, not a meaningless talk. In other words, just to say it today would be this. Stop talking about all the good you are doing for others and start doing it. Like I said, talk is cheap. You could say you're going to do this, do this for God, do this for God, do this for God. And this is a message for everyone. You come into a church, make sure that when you enter a church, is the Holy Spirit the one directing you here or you want a me church? You want a me church. In other words, what, what can the church give me? No, no, no. It's not about that. It's what you can offer to the kingdom of God. That's what it's all about. We should be able to come and say, hey, you know, God, pastor, you know, what can I do for you? What can I do for this ministry? It's time to put our hands to the plow. It's time to work. As the scripture says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. But I don't see any few laborers. I see a lot, I see a lot of laborers. But we're lazy. We're lazy in the spirit. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. That's like a disservice to everyone who comes up here. Because it's not about me. It's never about me. I have a message for, for you and for me. This is as much for me. Because it encourages me. It strengthens my faith. Because I go through stuff. But there's joy in my heart. Because I'm not alone. So mentally, this passage of scripture and the book of and the book of James is a tough pill to swallow. There's much to feel conviction about. Much is considered in our lives when we truly stop to consider what things we are actually doing in response to our hearing. Here are five points. I'm almost done. Point number one: Do my words align with the Christian witness I profess? Think about it. Does it align to what we believe? What we profess in our Christianity? Point two, am I letting my anger turn into sin? Am I obstinate? Point three, what have I done lately in response to my faith? That's a big one. Our ministry is daily, people. We pray without ceasing. It's not, it's not about doing an all-nighter and you know, we do that. Praying unceasingly means that I, it's not about, oh, I'm, I'm going to pray so I'm blue in the face and I'm never going to stop to go to the bathroom and eat, whatever it is. No, it's about every opportunity that we have. We're going to pray. Pray. 
You know, there's something out there we need to pray. There's something. You pray. You, you pray when you're going to work. You pray about uh, the people that you're going to meet. You pray for safety, hedge of protection. We pray. We constantly pray. It's just a simple communication between you and your Heavenly Father in Christ, through Christ, the Holy Ghost. It's your personal conversation. It's not about speaking eloquently, because I know a lot of us, we, 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 we have... We have style. It's beautiful to hear that. Don't let that intimidate you. Be yourself. Be yourself. Even pastor says, look, I, you know, every one of us can preach up here. It's not about being Al, Mr. Al, Mr. Tony, Pastor Domingo. Miss Nate, Elder, whatever. My wife, everybody's wives, those are ministry. We have, we have deacons all over the place. It's not about that. It's about what you bring to the kingdom of God. Your voice is important. Your voice is very important. It's powerful. Faith as, in a mustard seed, that's all you need. Mustard, uh, faith the size of a mustard is enough to really jolt a mountain. Don't take your faith for granted. Point four, do I talk more than I act? Five, does listening matter if I don't respond? These are a few of the questions that cross my mind and probably have crossed your mind and I'm sure you have more to add to that list that we have, right? But in the midst of that, of that, of the conviction that comes from the passage like this, it's important to remember the heart behind it all, which is the very heart of God. The same God who is compassionate and loving and sent his one and only son to redeem mankind, this same God wants us to be realistic about our faith and think clearly about the things that may be hindering us from experiencing our best in him. Don't hinder your best, you know, the best that God has to give you. We have an abundant God. You know, Jehovah Jireh, he provides in an unimaginable way. Sometimes we look at God and we reduce him to a little pocket size, you know, little God. Don't do that. He's bigger than you can imagine. I mean, he, listen, if he can create the universe and he says, hey, let that be, boom, there goes your big bang. We're just like little, little bitty ants going, bah, 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 bah. imagine that little bitty ant going, and he's like, man, I love them. I love them. Those are my kids. Look at them. As tiny as they are, but you may be tiny in size, but we are as big as you can imagine. All right. So, so here's something that we need to, to reflect upon. Is there anything holding you back from, from, from action today? Think about it. What's holding you from stepping into what you've been called for? What's holding you back? To go into ministry, to, 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 um, to minister the gospel. What is holding you back? We need to be delivered from those things. Never say, well, 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 God doesn't understand. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop that talk. 
God knows exactly what you and I are going through, what we have been in the past, because he's a rebuilder. He heals. He puts, makes us perfect in a way that, um, wow. You know, it's hard because I know sometimes we, we look at ourselves and we say, man, you know, I'm a mess. I'm not worthy. Why would God take, give me the time, a day out of all eternity to even consider me? I'm so insignificant. I don't matter. Those are the words of our defeated foe, the adversary. Think about what the Word of God says about you. You are more than a conqueror. You're the head. You're not a tail. You're warriors. Hoorah! I don't fear the devil. He's just an angel. We are higher than they are. Well, not now because we're in his flesh, but we are. Because we are created in the image and likeness of God. The angels and the devil, whatever, are not. They're not. And I'm not saying this out of respect to the, uh, the, you know, to the angelic host out there. You need to know who you are in Christ. You're not just a human in a, in a flesh body that's going to rot. You are spirit. You are spirit. In, exactly. In heavenly places. Look at those words. Right now. Right, Nate? Look at Nate. Nate's like, yeah, all right. I love Nate. I love his preaching, man. He's, he's woo. I love that. So what's holding back? Would you consider letting go? All right? We have time up here. You can do it in your seats. Would you commit to praying this week that God will give you the courage to go as in the Great Commission and to respond in the righteousness to the holy, uh, to the goodness of the gospel message? Are we willing to do that? We have to prepare for those who are coming through that door. We have to prepare for the great revival. Because people are going to ask you. People are going to ask you, how do I get to know Jesus? You need to give an account, a reason to as to why you believe in the hope of glory within you. Because if you can't, we have a problem. We have a serious problem. You're just, you're just faking the funk. You're faking it. You're faking it. You're calling, you're saying, God, hey, yeah, yeah, this is just a joke. No. Because everybody's life has changed here. We, are all, we, we should all be, well, I won't say all, but some of us here, and I'm going to say myself, I should be dead. I should be gone. I should be a statistic. I'm here. And some of your testimonies, woof. Whoa. Some of your testimonies are, wow. If I heard a testimony, let's say if I was an unbeliever and I heard a testimony about you going from this to this, sign me up, Lord. Sign me up. Sign me up. 
Because if what you provide is better than this nonsense of a world, sign me up. I'm a believer. Man, I love Christ, man. How does faith look like in action? Remember the woman with the blood disorder? Many years. Had she not pursued, persisted, persevered, she would never gotten to the point of latching onto the hem of his garment and receive her, not just her healing, but a blessing. The centurion, a high-ranking person in the Roman army, and they believe in all crazy gods and all that. He believed in Jesus, his authority, his leadership. Because he knew that all he had to do is ask, ask, and it should be done. Uh, heal my servant. Uh, when you get there, it's, uh, it's done. It's a done deal. That's what Jesus said. Not, not in those words, but he said, hey, it's a done deal. Because he recognizes authority. This shirt. What does it say? Faith like Noah. I wore this shirt because I want you to understand that in the Bible there are many examples of great faith in action, in the doing. Now we heard about Abraham, the father of faith, but of course he's from the line of Noah, right? I don't know about you, but when I look at Noah, this man is the epitome of faith, unwavering faith, perseverance, because imagine being Noah. God is telling you, go build me an ark. There's a flood coming, I'm going to wipe out all the nonsense in the world. He's like saying, okay, what's going on? I, I, I don't get it. And according to the, the, theology of theologians or whatever, um, there's a lot of debate as to how long did Noah take to build the ark. About maybe a hundred. Imagine building a wooden boat for a hundred years. That's a lifetime. What, what do you think that Noah, his wife, the eight sons and, uh, and their wives, that was the eight people, right? Four sons, four sons. Was it four? No, no, three, three. See, tripping me up. She's tripping me up. Three. Eight people on the ark. Eight people on the ark. But it took a hundred years. Imagine going through a hundred years and people saying, you are, you, you're, imagine the words. You're going through this a hundred years. People are saying, you're, you're, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. Hey. Divorce Noah, you know? I mean, guys. But he persevered. And there was a lot of room on the ark. The animals were there, everything else. But I want to I close with this, um, this scripture that kind of really personifies having the kind of faith that Noah has. This is the Hebrews... Chapter 11, 7, and I'm reading from the amp. I love the amp because it kind of like amplifies. It puts a little more into it. I mean, wow. So, it reads, By faith, 
with confidence in God and his word. Noah being warned by God about events not yet seen. We heard that word, not yet seen, right? In reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his family. By this act of obedience, because it's about obedience. He condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness the righteousness which comes by faith. People. We know this. This is not a game. Because I this is what I ask people, and I, and I know I'm being a little blunt. And I, I just want to see what's in their mind. Why do you go to church? If you're not activating, you're not living the word. Why be here? It's a waste of time. Of course it's not a waste of time, but I, I just throw that at them. I want them to I want to see what the rationale is. This is what religious spirit looks like. You come to come to church and you do the hallelujah, jumping around and every kinds of stuff, and that's great, but you know, some of it is all, you know politics and it's fake you can't fool God people and we know this I don't know about you but um, being in Calvary 19 years and, and hearing pastor and, and hearing all the ministers everything else I've never and I, and I come from a Catholic background this is not to bag the, the Catholic Church because God is doing a mighty work in hand with the Catholic Church they're becoming it's God it's become very charismatic in their worship and everything but they, they still have to go through a lot of stuff because th that's what happens when religion we, we, we tend to control God and we, we put him in a we, we speak for God without asking God what should I say it's not about me it's not about what I want to say for God because he doesn't need my voice. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need my, my, my words, even though we have our own styles. Look at the, look, look at the Bible, right? We have uh, 66 books, 40 authors, and they all had their styles, but one voice, the voice of God. We need to start living what we preach. Like, like when, 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 when the word goes out every Sunday, Friday, and everything else, we need to just more than just hear it and listening. We need to activate it. We need to do it. Because you just gave me something that I need for today that would enrich my life. And also something that, wow, I got a brother, I got somebody in the police department that is waiting to hear this. How many people right now are committing suicide? How many of those could be saved if the word of God was introduced right now? So if we could just stand up, I, I, I want to pray. Heavenly God, give us the courage to be people of action. Help us not to only hear and receive, but also to respond in righteousness to the high calling of Christ Jesus. Father, if there's anything that is in 
any one of them that is hindering our call to action to be able to go out there and to deliver what you have commanded to your son to go out to the world preach your word disciple those nations starting with our own family and branching out and baptizing them Lord God in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit that they will have eternal life a life that is filled with joy peace and abundance you said that we will go through trials and tribulations but you Lord you said that I have conquered death in the world even though we will be persecuted because we are called by your name encourage us Lord God Holy Spirit Give us your mind, Lord God. A mind that is strengthened. A mind that perseveres. We thank you, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, amen. So guys, this is it. We've done this before. We will go back to this again. Let's not wait for another sermon of faith and everything, even though this is going to continue. But let's remind us who we are. You're not who you think you are anymore. You're not you anymore. Even though you look like yourselves, we're a lot older, some of us, you know, you know what I'm saying? In the present, yes. We are who we are in terms of our biological makeup, but understand who you are in the spirit. Who you are in the spirit. Stop going out there and trying to be someone you're not. God knew you in your mother's womb. He put you together. Imagine that. He knew you before we were, you know, out there breathing the air with the inhabitants of the earth. We're a lot more than you think. Stop punishing yourself. Stop looking at yourself saying you're not worthy. Watch those words. James is reminding us that those words are not of God. The enemy is defeated. The war has been won, but there are battles to be fought. We have to be like um, Joshua. When Joshua was told, you're going, to take the, uh, you're going to take the city of Jericho, but that's going to be for me. But he had to listen. He had to listen. How are we going to break those walls? We have to not just hear the word of God, but we have to listen. Listen to it. Listen to what it's saying to you and I. So that we can go out there and, you know, lead the world to Christ like John the Baptist we don't do any saving here Jesus saves what we do just like John the Baptist we prepare the way for the way the truth 
and the life. So guys, I want you to go out there, go in peace. In the name of God, you know, through Christ Jesus. And have faith like Noah. Read this. Because to me, that, that just, woo, that's crazy. Building a boat. That doesn't even make sense to me. Because there's a lot of things that God are going to speak into you and I that don't make sense. Instead of trying to find out what he's trying to say to us, why don't we submit in obedience and trust in the word? Believe. Because faith is about what? Believing and trusting what you put your faith in. That's what it's all about. We all have levels of faith. Your faith will grow. You can't lose your faith. When God gives faith and faith comes from God, you can't lose what he's deposited in each and every one of us. It's impossible. Know who you are. I know who I am. I'm a man of God. I'm a powerful man of God. Do I go through battle? Do I go through stuff? Do I get hurt? Yes, I am. But God refreshes me. He heals me. And he does that to each and every one of you. And there's strength in numbers. Look at, look at each other. Look at, look, look. There's a lot of power here, man. Twelve disciples changed the world and flipped it upside down. And they're still doing it today. Even though they're gone. But the word moves on. It goes on. Because the devil's trying to extinguish what God already ordained before the foundations of the earth. He's trying to extinguish something that he has no control. So stop giving the devil his due. You know, I tell the devil, you, you got nothing over me. Bring, bring your best. Bring your best. You have to be arrogant in the spirit. When I say arrogant, show the enemy who you are. Show the enemy who you are. It's not about being, walking around with a, a spiritual chip on your shoulder. Show them who you are. We are royalty people. We don't drag our knuckles on the ground. We walk, but not in a very pious, you know, arrogant way. Like we're better than everybody else. We walk and we know who we are. We know who we are in Christ. Remaining faithful. Times will get hard, but let me tell you something. God will increase your faith. God will always increase your faith. But that only happens we have to do our part. We got to step. We got to walk. Don't, don't worry. You know what I mean? Listen. You're going to get strengthened. Because I know we're, gonna, we're going through stuff now. I feel it here. I feel it. I feel, I feel something here. I feel something here. You're not alone. I get hit in such a crazy way, man. But I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm not done until he says I'm done. I'm still here. So if I can do it, you can do it. And I'm nobody special. I'm just a man asking God, I want your heart. I want the heart of David. The kind of heart that he has for God. That's what I want. And not only he has me, he has me. 
So guys, go in peace. And, and, and go back to the Word every day. Encourage yourself. Man, there's a lot of faith here. And even if your faith is as small as a mustard seed, God can move a mountain. God can move a mountain. Because God will meet you anywhere where you at. He will meet you. All right, guys? And if you want to pray, and you want, to, you want a nice little conversation with the Lord, the altar is open. You can do it in your seat. We will pray with you. But if you come up to pray with me or any one of this, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you to lead it. Because my prayer is not a magic formula. I'm coming in agreement with you. Because when two or more are gathered, the Lord is in the midst. In agreement in all we do. So there's power in us who are called by his name, Jesus. Christ the Lord. Amen. Thank you.